Welcome to On the Mark, a podcast series hosted by Howard M. Rubin, where I talk to uh, different specialists and experts in areas related to business in New York and how it's been affected by COVID both short term and hopefully we're going to be getting out of COVID soon and uh, how it's going to affect the way business is done long term. Uh, every podcast is sponsored by uh, the Strategic Forum, a New York uh, business uh, networking organization. And on every podcast, we have a, a uh, Strategic Forum member. On this podcast, we have uh, Danny Mizrahi, who is the founder and CEO of Contango IT, a technology consulting company with 75 people that was recently placed in the top 5,000 of America's fastest-growing companies. And Contango IT is an expert in four areas, IT support, everything from outsourced CTOs and CIO services to the help desk with 60 to 90-second response time, 40 people in cybersecurity, which is extreme, extremely compliance-based, and customer program applications and low-voltage wiring and office build-outs. I'm sure Danny can talk to us about anything dealing with cybersecurity or technology, and uh, he's a great guy to, to go to, and uh, his company does uh, fantastic work. Our other guest thank, is, is... Thank you for the kind words. Thank you. Our other guest is Sonia Williams. Sonia has a, a, a very interesting background. We're, we're talking, you know, we're in the news as all the uh, threats from foreign countries, from Russia and China. Well, she started her cyber career in the Air Force Reserves, after serving four and a half years active duty in the Army, uh, thank you for your service. And she was an thank intelligence uh, analyst. Sonia's uh, civilian cyber career began as a security analyst managing firewalls, content filters, and other security devices for a defense contractor and then a local cable company. She then moved on to a top 10 defense contractor as an information systems security manager, handling security systems for multiple programs. A big part of her responsibilities included enforcing security standards and guidelines. She then moved on to Rifkin Radler, which is one of the top law firms in New York, to help manage the cybersecurity program at the firm. Sonia continues to serve in the Air Force National Guard as a flight chief in the cybersecurity unit and will graduate in May from Fordham University with a master's in, in science in cybersecurity. Welcome, both of you. And um, we have a really exciting topic. We're talking about cybersecurity as it relates to law firms. I know Danny and uh, Contigo uh, represent a lot of law firms and provide IT services. And Sonia, you're on the inside at one of the uh, top law firms in New York. So uh, I'm sure that uh, you both have uh, a lot of opinions and can uh, give our listeners a lot of uh, information. Hopefully... The listeners that we have are not technical experts, so hopefully mm -hmm. we're not going to get too technical. We're going to use English words rather than, yeah. uh, you know, those words that uh, only the insiders know when uh, we're talking about. All right, first, um, you know, I I see now since this uh, cyber things that I'm getting a lot more phishing scams. Uh, emails seem to be hacked more. Uh, you know, part of that. I guess, is putting in protocols and how attorneys and, and staff people should be um, responding or, you know, to things on the Internet. And part of it may be software. Uh, Danny, what do you think is the most important thing 
for uh, a law firm to do to protect itself from these type of cyber threats? Sure. Um, well, and, and thank you for having me and Sonia, great to be on the call with you. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I think the two most important things are two-factor authentication, you know, not trying to get too technical, but that's when you get that code to be able to log into your machine or your email, et cetera. Just making sure two-factor or multi-factor authentication is on across the board for all your systems. Um, and then really the other one is what we call security awareness training where everyone in the organization needs to watch videos, take tests on phishing, spoofing, wire transfer fraud, what do real emails look like? What do um, fake websites look like? And just be smart about what they're clicking on and who they're calling and who's getting access to their machines for support and things like that. At the end of the day, it's the end users that are really letting most of these things in. Now, of course, you know, network security, updated firewalls, updated antivirus, monitoring all the systems, asset management, patching everything. All of those are really, really important. And those are basically standard for law firms and, and it, basically any firm should be doing all those things. But if you're asking me where a lot of these disasters are coming from, it's typically, you know, the passwords are readily available on the dark web and, and you know, the two-factor authentication is not getting set up. Uh, there's a lot of wire transfers. Uh, we've seen law firms send down payments uh, for deposits on, on homes. Um, and that money gets intercepted, you know, at the last moment by people sitting in inboxes waiting for that wire transfer. And then they're creating filters and folders to try to, you know, make it so that the bankers and the, and the you know, home buyers are not seeing these yeah, you know, these changes in wording and email at the moment of the transfer. Uh, we see that a lot, unfortunately. And so it's it just, it, you know, our company, we're doing that year round for our clients. All year, they're getting phishing and spoofing emails and, and we're teaching them literally all year, you know, at this point. It's very important. That's that important. Well, Sonia, I would think that uh, cybersecurity is as strong as its weakest link. So if you have one person within an organization that uh, is, I'll call it sloppy or, or not uh, keeping protocols, the whole firm is in jeopardy. Uh, what does your firm do in terms of uh, training and uh, making sure that uh, there's some cybersecurity within the firm? Well, uh, Danny touched upon um, one of the biggest things, which is security awareness training. And so we we do security awareness training. We do phishing campaigns monthly. Um, the security awareness training is done quarterly, and then you have your annual security awareness training as well. So we really push that because we want it to become, security really has to become an, a habit, not just something you know um, you're supposed to do, but it should become a habit. And that way it helps reinforce that culture um, in the firm for people. If you're unsure of something, you know, um, open a ticket with IT, you know, give me a call, let me know. And I have to say it, you know, our employees are wonderful because they do that. If they're unsure of something, they will question it. And that's, that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for um, people to not just automatically click, 
even if it's someone that they know. And that is also another thing we're seeing, you know, these um, malicious actors are out here. And if they compromise one person's email, they, they'll go through their address book and, you know, they'll try to bait someone else. And we've seen that happen as well. So we have very um, vigilant people in our firm. And even when it comes from someone they know, a phishing email comes from someone they know, they will question it. And um, that has been key not to click on links or anything like that. But in addition to that, we also have uh, like a content filter, which um, if someone does click on a link, it will determine whether or not the website that that person, um, that link is going to, if it's bad or if it's good. And if it's a malicious website, it will block it. So we have a, a number of different uh, controls in place to protect the firm when it comes to things like that. And, and how important is software? I, I know that uh, the best software I'm, in the world can't protect against everything, but uh, what type of software uh, do, do you, the both of you, uh, both of you think that is uh, appropriate for law firms? Not that I'm looking for an advertisement for a particular brand of software, but what, uh, what, what do you think is necessary in terms of software? Danny, uh, okay. well, <laughs> oh, so I'll uh, I'll okay. start off and I'll have to say one of the things that I find um, very productive for us, it's wonderful, is an endpoint endpoint detection and response agent. And, you know, there, there are many out there. Um, there's CrowdStrike, there's Sentinel-1, um, there's 40, 40 EDR. There are many endpoint detection and response agents. And those agents are um, capable of detecting malware, ransomware. They're capable of stopping malware and ransomware from kicking off on your systems. Those agents are also capable of isolating a system that has malware on it. And that way it does not infect the rest of your network systems. So um, I really do believe endpoint detection and response agents um, are, they're really productive. Um, and that's just one part of, of what you can employ for security within a firm or any business. Is, is uh, Dan, right. what, what yeah. do you think in terms of software? No, no, I, I think when you hit the nail on the head, we use Sentinel-1 um, internally for our clients. And, you know, we, we go uh, so far as to monitoring user behavior as well. So, you know, if someone's never, you know, downloaded, you know, X amount of files in the past, you know, our tools will be able to see that. Let's say someone's transferring, you know, a thousand files from one folder to their, you know, USB stick, right? Something like that, you know, we'll see it. Um, you know, if someone deletes a whole group of files at the same time, we'll see it. If someone um, has an escalation in privileges, right, they just all of a sudden went from a user to an admin on the system, you know, we'll see it, right? So, um, you know, that's, and we use Sentinel-1, we use Event Tracker, we use, and we have, we have a 24-7 stock, a 24-7 security operations center watching all of this for the clients that need that type of service. So, um, yeah, I think Sonia hit the nail on the head. Any other software out there? Um, you know, there's there's uh, different layers of multi-factor authentication and network security. So we're seeing a lot of companies use Okta 
OKTA for management of single sign-on to multiple web-based applications. Um, so if they're using the Gmail with Slack, with Office, with you know Asana, with Trello, all these web-based applications, you know we can manage all of them with. Uh, Hello. Did I just lose them? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. We'll can you hear me? That. Yeah, I can hear you now. I couldn't hear you for a second. Go ahead. Oh, Sonia, were you Sonya able to hear me? Yes, I was okay. able to hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's okay. I think. Uh, so let me um, let me so ask let me ask you this. Um, what scares me is that there is uh, this ransomware out there, and uh, you know I'm afraid because I, I, I read in the papers that uh, they get into a, a company's uh, systems, particularly hospitals or or uh, files that can't be replaced, and uh, and they they, they extort uh, large amounts of money. Uh, does well, this I, software I, protect against that? Would that protect? Well, them? I think that that what you just said, you know, is is the issue. Why is there data that can't be restored? Right. So right. I think that's the bigger issue. Right. So, you know, how is it possible that a hospital, if that's the example, right? But let's right. go back to law firms here. Right. You know. Um, a law firm, of course, they have very important data, but for our clients, it, ransomware is not one of the things that I'm that worried about, honestly, you know, because end users are end users, and unfortunately, they click on stuff all the time. What's really important is that ransomware doesn't spread on the network. It's just isolated to individual machines, and you can make sure that happens. What's really important is that the data is being backed up. I mean, we've had clients get ransomware, and you know what we do? We delete the data, we, re we restore from the backup, and we move on with our lives. And Correct. we explain to the end users what happened, right? So, you know, of course, we, we don't want it to happen, but end users click on stuff all the time. So delete the data, restore from the backup, learn from it. And now I will say what comes into play sometimes is what's called breach notification. So, you know, if you're doing, if a, we have a lot of law firms that are doing business with a lot of different banks. Now, different banks have different requirements and different vendors have different requirements. So now if the banks say that that is deemed a breach, now all of a sudden you have to explain it. You have to prove it. We had to do that the other day. Look, an end user clicked on this, but the, the intrusion was, you know, a couple seconds. We know the data wasn't taken. We know the data wasn't looked at. We know the data wasn't, um, you know, uh, you know, transferred, right? We could see all that in the system. It was only encrypted, okay? And that was it. And so, and then we delete the data, restore from the backup and move on, right? So that was deemed acceptable from that bank with that law firm because we proved to them those things, right? Mm -hmm. So it all comes down to the requirements and the breach and, and, and different banks have different thresholds for pain here. Some of them, I've had them want to do weekly calls for a year, to deal with uh, you know a silly little issue sometimes, right? Because they're you know their CISOs go crazy over something. Uh, Sonia, I wanted to ask you um, because you you've worked uh, in the military and uh, I assume you've dealt with situations where there's uh, bad actors who are foreign governments. I mean, I've been reading that um, China recently they believe uh, through Microsoft Outlook uh, has gotten into computers all around the country from private industry. Uh, is there a way that you can, once that something like that happens, that you can fix it uh, when there's government players involved that's, I would assume, are more sophisticated than the private players? 
to fix it. Well, <laughs> um, what the government goes through, so does private industry. You know, um, when a threat actor gets into your networks, um, I think when they get into your network, any of your systems, there's always the possibility that, like, um, with this recent solar winds hack, the right. possibility is they do not know how far that, how far they got. Is this a, a possibility of, you know, ripping out all the systems and, and getting all new access? So when you have threat actors, you know, you can have the forensics, you can have um, the teams come in and, and take a look, but it may just be possible that you have to um, just chuck all all those systems that were touched and, and redo everything, unfortunately, you know, um, and if you have things in place where you can you can monitor and you can get the notification for someone in there, but these state-sponsored threat actors are very sophisticated, very sophisticated. I mean, you know, when it comes to um, supply chain, that's what happened with SolarWinds. You know, um, they're very good at that with with hardware, with software. They can infiltrate these things, and until until a breach happens or something happens, you may not know that you have something or you may not know that you have a threat actor perusing your network. Um, and if you, like Danny said, you know, when files go out, you should have something that lets you know when, when um, your information, your data is being exfiltrated. You should have security in place to see things like that. And if you don't, well, you know, your documents can be exfiltrated can be taken out of your network and you wouldn't know. So when it comes to the military and civilian companies, I think um, it's kind of the same in that, you know, there, uh, there are a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different ways that, that it can absolutely go. You know, um, I, I really, I really think one of the big things that um, a lot of small businesses need to ensure that they're doing is one, they need to make sure that they're updating their um, operating systems and their software and their hardware. You know, one of the biggest ways that these threat actors get in is from unpatched vulnerabilities, right. Right. you know, and, and when that happens, if you have the ability to patch it, you should be patching it. Um, there's, you really shouldn't leave yourself open, you know, like Windows 7 is no longer a supported operating system, but there are many businesses that still run Windows 7 and even some run Windows XP. Well, if you have to run these old operating systems, they should not be going out to the network. They should not be touching the network. They should be air-gapped and isolated so that they're right. not reachable you know, through the network. Yeah, and we have a we have a line uh, we have a line that um, you know with antivirus with firewalls you're only as good as your last update, right? You know because the last the latest threat is the latest patch or update on your systems. So we basically feel like if you're not patching and, and patching, you know, for for layman's terms, you know, is when you get that like you know Windows needs to be updated, antivirus needs to be updated. That's that's called patching. Um, you know, if you if you don't have that last patch, then you're vulnerable to the latest, greatest threat. So it's like you don't even have it. You don't even have antivirus then, right? So so that's why patch management 
and, and is so important, right? So we have that 24-7 network operation center monitoring every single piece of machinery in the environment to see if there's any updates that haven't been patched, not just with the computers, but think about all the software, Adobe, Microsoft Office, um, you know, any, any software, QuickBooks, desktop, right? All of the software needs to get patched. Danny, let me ask you about cost a little bit. Um, you know, a small law firm, maybe a law firm, maybe a single practitioner, or maybe a law firm of five people or 10 people, uh, not a Rifkin Radler, which is a bigger firm and probably can uh, afford mm -hmm. the most sophisticated systems. What could a smaller firm do to protect itself? Well, well, let me ask you this, right? Let me let me kind of turn it around on you a little bit. I, I just ran your dark web report, and I can tell you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of your passwords that you've used right now, right? <laughs> and I'm happy to, you know, I, I I can tell you, you know, uh, I'll put it on the probably, podcast. <laughs> no, no, I, I won't. But but I but the, I, even if I do, the bottom line is you have to change it today anyway. Right. So I might I I could tell you. Right. Um, you know, but uh, but the but the to to kind of reverse the question on you, how much is it going to be worth to you for someone to be in your email right now with one of these passwords, right? Well, so that's the, you that's know, the threat. I mean, that's the that's the issue mm -hmm. that right. No one disputes that it's necessary to have this protection. It's it's essential and it's becoming more essential. Uh, well, well, but, here, here let me let me answer your question a little better, right? Okay. So, you know, not being as as you know facetious, I guess, right? right. Um, you know, the, the answer to the question really is, it's not that expensive. It really isn't. I mean, security awareness training is two dollars per person per month. Okay, two dollars per person per month for the whole year, and it's unlimited phishing and spoofing. Okay, so that is not expensive. The other thing is, is I assume every law firm at this point is on either Office 365 or G Suite. If they're not on Office 365 or G Suite, then they will be soon because the other systems are dying quickly. Right. And they're, they're losing features. They're not, they're not even trying to give two-factor authentication. The intermedias, the rack spaces of the world, they didn't even try to improve their product because Office 365 is kicking their, you know, what out of business, right? So, you know, Office 365 has all these features built in. I mean, you just have to turn it on. You have to turn on two-factor authentication. You have to turn on data loss protection, which is those, you know, encrypting the messages that have personal identifiable information. It doesn't even cost more, right? Maybe it's like a increase in the license fee to make sure you have those features, but most of the companies have those features because they turned on archiving and turn on archiving you need you know it's it's the e3 license or you know whatever office license that they use anyway so most companies have these features the desktop management it's not that expensive if you have you know what, what we do or any there's so many companies that do what we do it's, it's called managed it we're managing it all in the background and it's not very expensive at all it's certainly less expensive than hiring internally right for these small offers it's not even close so uh, I don't think it's very expensive to do the basics. Okay. And, 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 and Sonia, is your is, is Rifkin Radler increasing their cybersecurity budget? I would think that everybody is these days. Oh, yeah. Well, I think one of the um, – I wanted to add to that. And, y yeah, in this day and age, I think, just like you said, um, everyone should be increasing their budget. When we went into lockdown, the phishing threats were they, – they shot up, you know, over 400%, you know? So I think um, when it comes to protecting 
your your firm, your company, the biggest thing you have to determine are the threats that are unique to your organization. You know, and that's where a risk assessment can come into play. Right. Um, you know, you need to determine and understand the threats that your company is facing. You know, if you are big with mergers and acquisitions and um, like, say, banking and financial, well, there are a lot of threat actors out there, state-sponsored threat actors that they they go for that information. And it's not what people, um, you know, in law firms, one thing I always say, it, it may not be necessarily, a lot of people tend to think, well, I'm not that important. Why would anyone want to hack me? It's what you know, it's what you do, and it's who your clients are and what what you um, what you handle. So um, you know you have to be able to assess your risk in terms of the business you're doing, and then that's where you have to place your budget, your money. You know you have to be able to say, okay, we're vulnerable in this area. Uh, we need to beef mm-hmm. up security. Um, you know here. So yeah. um, you basically need to assess your threat. Yeah, and and we do, and, and probably Rifkin has done this. We do what's called penetration testing, and um, Howard, a lot of companies are, uh, you know, and we could get into compliance in a second because I think it is super important because compliance is just the reason why people are doing a lot of these things now, which is is great because people weren't really spending a lot of money on risk assessments and penetration tests until they were told they had to, right? So, you know, we have 25 pen testers. Eight of them are certified ethical hackers. Right. And, and, you know, lawyers resonate with that because, you know, they have to take continuing legal education, CLEs, right. And certified ethical hackers have to take continuing education just like that. So, you know, running a pen test, penetration test, which is basically ethical hacking once a year, you know, some companies do it once a quarter um, is, is pretty important if you're dealing with PII, personal identifiable information. And in more important getting back to what I was saying earlier, is if you have the compliance requirement from your client, right? So companies like Rivkin, they're getting letters from their biggest clients all the time, I assume, Sonia, but I think it's yes. a good assumption, you know, saying, <laughs> saying, you know, if you want to continue working with us, I mean, it's not just law firms, it's accounting firms, it's, it's everyone at this point, marketing, a lot of marketing companies that deal with big companies like Nike and Google, et cetera, you know, they're getting these letters, any kind of research companies, right? As, of course, law firms, they're getting these vendor requirement letters or third-party compliance checklists saying, you want to keep us as a client? Okay, prove to us that you have all of these security controls in place. A lot of them are saying, if you're not ISO 27001 certified or SOC 2 certified, we can't even work with you anymore. So that's our probably our most popular project right now is doing ISO certifications and doing SOC 2 certifications because it's being demanded of the vendor by their biggest clients. It, compliance trickles downhill, right? Sonia, do you so find that, that to be true too? Do you find that, that oh. uh, vendors are, are requiring uh, compliance, greater compliance from the Absolutely. Firm? Absolutely. Um, there was a period um, that we were probably getting at least two assessments a month. Um, and now during COVID, it seems like what the requirements that they're looking for are a little bit tougher than they were before. Um, so they're really, um, pushing out. And I think a big part of that also was when you look at some of the breaches that occurred, like a Celion, um, third-party vendor, 
Um, so they want to know, do you have a third-party vendor management program? How are you managing your third-party vendors? Um, what do they have access to? So things like that. Um, our clients are looking for how we manage other vendors that may touch our clients' information. So you have to make sure that um, the processes, the controls, the um, security that you have in place, your vendors are also doing the appropriate, you know, taking the appropriate measures to make sure that your data and that of your clients are secure. So we are seeing a lot of, of assessments as far as um, how we operate and what we do and the security we have in place, whether we're using two-factor, you know, all of those, everything that Danny mentioned, we're seeing that. And okay, well, uh, we're getting towards the end. Danny, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't covered that they should be uh, looking at when they're looking at cybersecurity? Um, you know, I would just say, you know, happy to do calls and brainstorming, second opinion, advice. I'm not smart enough to charge for my time. That's what we have staff for, <laughs> um, you know, and, and so it's, you know, it's all different strokes for different folks, different budgets, different priorities. I mean, you know, encrypting everything is very important now. You know, I know that a lot of people think that, you know, their laptops, since they have a username and password on them, that, you know, this is a very common misconception, right? They say, you know, I have a username and password on my laptop, and so therefore no one can get into it. And I just kind of chuckle because you could take the hard drive out, plug it into my computer, and now I see all your data. Right. So, so that's just an example of making sure that mobile media is being encrypted. But, you know, what I would say is the must haves in IT are the same as compliance 101 anyway. Right. So all of the compliance requirements all have the same basics. So why don't we just handle those low hanging fruit for those law firms as opposed to doing everything at once. Right. So I think that's kind of a big takeaway. And, and Sonia, is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners that we haven't covered? Well, I think um, when, like people are our biggest risk. And so your security awareness training, um, you have to make sure you're gauging whether how successful it is. You have to make sure that you're um, seeing an improvement in what your people are doing. And the other side of that is ensuring that your IT and security staff are trained, you know, just like our lawyers need their CLEs where, well, you know, IT, security, cybersecurity, it's a very fluid industry. Things are always changing. There's always something new. So you have to make sure that your staff is continually, um, you know, updating their information, getting educated, whether it's through courses, um, webinars, seminars. You have to make sure that your people are able to perform and do the job. And, you know, that information, it, it's, a, it's a very dynamic industry. So we have to make sure people stay updated and are able to respond to the threats that, that the organization may face. Well, thank you both. I'm going to give uh, my uh, email out. And uh, anyone who wants to uh, speak further with uh, either of our speakers or uh, wants to uh, uh, retain or speak to Danny about the hiring uh, his company, which uh, has a terrific reputation in, in this uh, area. 
please contact me, and I'd be happy to put you in contact. It's H Rubin, H R U B I N at Getz G O E T Z F I T Z dot com. And this is Howard Rubin for On the Mark, and I want to thank the speakers today, and uh, I think it was very informative for our listeners. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you so much thank for you. having me. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.